It's Monday the 9th of August 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. After an unbearably long break, we're back again and I'm honoured to be joined today by Alexander Kristjánsson, a broadcast journalist here at Rove. Welcome to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, this week has been punctuated with various COVID-19 news as ever. Um, including the vaccination of 12 to 15 year olds, the revaccination of everyone who had the Janssen shot, naturally the skyrocketing infection rate, uh, but also the relatively low numbers of people going into hospital with the virus. Uh, this has caused a second related thread of news uh, as we've been faced with yet more warnings that Landspitali National University Hospital faces a COVID crisis nevertheless, with people from all sectors of society asking why this might be. The health minister has brought forward proposals for changes to ease the situation, uh, while the finance minister appears to place the blame at the hospital's door. There's no open talk of tougher domestic restrictions at the moment, although only time will tell. In yet more related news, uh, Reykjavik Pride went ahead last week in subdued fashion. Reykjavik Marathon has been postponed until mid-September and Culture Night is cancelled outright for the second year in a row. The Geltingetalir volcanic eruption has carried on swinging violently between spectacular activity and almost none at all, and its lava field is now only a few metres away from overflowing out of Miradalir. Uh, the big news today is that a new vent appears to have opened on or close to the main crater late this morning, um, and visitors to the volcano today are enjoying a great spectacle. Scientists were alerted to a possible undersea volcanic eruption to the south of the Reykjanes Peninsula last week, uh, but no firm evidence was found when a Coast Guard vessel went out to survey the seabed. July was the warmest on record in North and East Iceland, and the temperature went above 20 degrees somewhere in the country on 30 out of 31 days in July, which is also a record. The big three communications companies are promising widespread 5G coverage within two years, with developments already underway. Iceland Air transported the same number of passengers in July as it did in the first six months of the year combined. And finally, rapeseed is getting its moment in the sun as simple experiments at the Kvaneri Agricultural University have revealed promising results for increasing the yield and reliability of Iceland's crop. Rapeseed, of course, is useful in food and as a fuel, and the plants are also good as animal feed. So, where would you like to begin? Uh, I don't know, should we start with some maybe positive news? The tourist numbers? I guess that's a positive news, right? Well, it's mixed positive, isn't it? Because it all blends in with the virus. But yes, I mean, it's good for the economy. I guess it's it's always funny when you when you see these these facts and they you feel like you already knew this, but it's good to have the facts actually backing up your feelings because you know I live in in downtown Reykjavik and and you've seen these massive changes over the couple of last couple of weeks. How all of a sudden you know tourism is is back and and it's i mean it's really back it's mm. not like because we saw in, in may and, and certainly in june you know there was tourists around it was it was it was different it was more lively and things but uh, now it's, it's almost like any july it seems yeah exactly you know you go to a coffee and the majority of the people around you they are tourists and maybe the biggest difference is that sort of the combination of tourists you have the americans you have Maybe Europeans, but predominantly Americans. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are no Chinese people around. So, yeah, we were getting 
very used to having a, a lot of uh, Asian tourists, specifically Chinese and a lot of Indian as well. And mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're noticeably absent uh, at the moment. Um, but yeah, Americans are really holding it afloat. Is that? Do you think that's because they're not as ready or able even to travel to the rest of Europe? And so Iceland is a, you know, a, an alternative or? I'm not really sure. Like, again, is it, uh, like you say, is it because they can't travel somewhere else or is it because Iceland has been relatively COVID free? And, and that's also another thing that's interesting. You know, these, these numbers, they come from, from July. Mm -hmm. At that point, we could sort of market ourselves as the place maybe not without COVID, but with almost no infections. Now infections are rising again and, and through the roof, really. We're on this EU red list. Will that make a difference? It's, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we can say for a fact, if this was a year ago, going red on the European map would have been catastrophic. It's, it's closed borders. It's, you know, end of travel. That isn't happening now. Um, so, like you say, we have to wait and see what impact that will have, and 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 why that big change is. Because, well, I suppose it's because more people are vaccinated and it's having less of an impact. I guess it's both because people are vaccinated and maybe people have just had enough. You know, people are not as cautious as they were mm. this time around last year. But ostensibly, the authorities and specifically the health authorities are just as cautious. They should be at least. And and those are the ones that we're taking the official advice from. Um, I understand you know, people on the street, you and me, maybe we are all tired of it, aren't we? <laughs> but Thorov, he's not tired of it. He's not tired of it. Oh, no. Um, but it, it will be interesting to see because uh, I feel like you've seen the tourism industry, the lobby group, you know, throughout this whole virus, they've been sort of speaking against every single step that's been taken to the point where people have somewhat had enough of it, mm -hmm. of them. So it was actually interesting to see when Iceland got yellow on this list and, and was uh, trending in the direction of, of becoming red, that all of a sudden it seems like the tourism lobby group realized, hey, you know, that's uh, that might not be good news for us. And actually the chairman said it would be disastrous if, if Iceland became red on this list, which, of course, eventually happened. Mm. So I feel like maybe they have realized that these COVID restrictions, they're not only hurting them, even though they are, you know, it's also necessary for them in order to be able to get people to come. Because, you know, no one, no one wants to come to a country which is full of COVID and you have to quarantine and you have to quarantine when you go back and, and all these things. Yeah. Have there been any concrete examples that you know of, of of individual European countries changing their rules over the last few days uh, with regard to Iceland? With regard to Iceland, um, I'm looking into Denmark quite a, quite a bit because I'll be going there in the fall to study. And as of now, we are yellow on their list, and they have sort of different different system. Every country has their own system, mm. and the only difference for us is you have to take a test before you board the plane, which isn't too big of a deal, but there's no quarantine or anything. Mm. And apparently not a single European country has ever gone on the red list for Denmark. So I feel like it's probably not going to happen, but mm. I guess you never know.
And it did seem this weekend for the first time that the this enormous fourth wave of um, infection may have peaked. Today's figures, they're, they're up again slightly, but it's still... We, we might be at the top now, hopefully. Let's hope so. Yeah. Um, because the, the set of restrictions that are in place now, they're, they're pretty loose. You know, 200 people, bars that are open, albeit only till midnight, etc. So it, it could have gone either way. It could have just been a complete failure or, or it could work. And hopefully it's the latter. But like you said, Thorold was not tired of it. It's also interesting to see, I don't know if it's a shift or not, but he made quite a controversial or, or, or remarks in an interview this weekend. It was, you know, he goes to so many interviews and most of them, you know, you don't really yeah. care about them. But this was an interview that people actually followed and it was it was taken up by, by every single media outlet where he sort of said that we had to, to try and reach herd immunity. How? I don't know. It was... Mm. I feel like it was a new tone. Yeah, I, I've I've heard that too. And but he's been challenged on it since, and he seemed to be saying that maybe his words were misinterpreted, and he didn't mean it like that. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if we could all have coronavirus, and if none of us got sick or died as a result of that, then that would be a good thing. But yeah. we can't guarantee that, and and we don't want more people to die. Um, let's talk about, on that note, quickly, uh, about the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are, what was it, 18 people in the hospital now? Two of them on uh, in, in intensive care, both of them on ventilators, um, which is obviously not good. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, it's, you know, it's not a huge... It's 26 people, actually, 26 people in hospital with COVID-19. We should probably be able to have that many people in hospital. Yeah, without it all collapsing. That's the thing. You, you don't want to downplay these uh, their situation. Of course, it's terrible for these people to be in the ICU. But like you say, in the in the grand scheme of things, twenty six people being in intensive care. It oh, in hospital. Two, in in two hospital, in exactly. Yeah. Two in intensive care. It doesn't feel like it's it's something terrible. You know, you have one bus accident mm. somewhere in the in the. Highlands or something, and that's 26 people for you. Mm. So I think it's it should be really alarming if the hospital cannot manage that. Mm. And of course, they've been saying that their their bed utilization is generally 95 to 105 percent, whereas the international. Yeah, what does staff, that even mean? 105 percent. I know they don't have double beds. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereas the international standard is apparently 85 percent. Um, and the hospital have pointed this um, this out themselves as being a problem, obviously. Um, and it was really interesting to see Bjarni Benediktsson responding to that late last week, seeming to say it's the hospital's fault and uh, not the government's fault. He's been iterating this thing for a long time that the problems of the the hospital they will not be solved simply by money, which is probably true, but. Money would probably help, you know. So, and if money doesn't help it, what else do you propose? It's always mm. what I feel like asking him. A, a question I haven't heard raised actually on that point is the effect of the new Landspitali, which is being built right now. I mean, how sensible or how much money and f- extra funding and, and development can you put into the old hospital 
when the new one will hopefully open relatively soon and, and might solve a lot of these problems? Yeah, that's actually a, a good question. I mean, I would assume that that the whole hospital environment would get so much better with this new hospital, but what about the intense care units? I don't know. Will they will they mm. become more? Because you know, I've been uh, I've been seeing online that apparently the number of ICU units in in Landspitale per capita they are one third of the European average. Just yeah, quite low, I would say. It is, and especially given the level of European cooperation that goes on. If this, if we were Belgium, for example, it would be very easy to ship people over to Holland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're an island quite far away, so you you would hope that would be more, not less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, anything else to add, or shall we move on? I think we should move on. Yes, COVID be damned. <laughs> um, what else was there? There's the, um, well, I mean, obviously the related news about Culture Night and things. Uh, that's that's sad. The volcano, um, weather records. Where do you want to? Weather records is actually actually a good one. It's a good day to talk about this with the IPCC report that came out this morning. Exactly, and uh, that's always the thing when you. When you think about, oh, the good weather in Iceland, you you want to be happy, but at the same point, there's something in your head telling you, you know, this is alarming. Maybe it's because of of climate change and you shouldn't be celebrating it. You should be feeling bad. Mm. But, mm. And and perhaps we should be here mm. in the southwest because we, we haven't had this record-breaking, wonderful summer. Um, I mean, it's been okay, but... This is definitely much definitely the north and the east that have benefited, mm-hmm. if you can call it a benefit. Um, yeah, so above twenty degrees for thirty days in July, somewhere in the country. I mean, that's nice, but uh, it's unusual. That's never happened before. It is unusual, and also this stability. You know, always if you want to go somewhere in Iceland, you always have to check the weather report three days before, two days before, one day before. Literally, when you drive out of your your town. But for this summer, it feels like you you have just been able to count on, yeah, the weather is probably good in the east. Mm. And it's been good in the east. And that's been shown in, in traffic figures mm-hmm. as well. Uh, the, July was also record-breaking for the amount of traffic on the roads, uh, especially in the east of Iceland. And I think that's got something to do with the weather, for sure. Did you go there? No, I went to the north. Though, okay. So, yeah. Similar. It was. It did rain actually while we were there, but different story. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and it kind of continues a story that's been going on for the last year, really. I mean, the winter was weird as well. We had very, very little snow uh, in this part of the country, at least. Um, yeah, just everything sort of up in the air and, and and weird. And that is the case across the whole country, uh, the world, even. Yeah, I mean, you had this report today by the panel on climate change by the United Nations and it just said what has been said so many times but it feels like people need to hear it again and again that these extreme weather it's getting all too common glaciers they're melting Uh, I can't remember I feel like wasn't it the amount of of glaciers that's been melting every year for the last couple of years it amounts to Traunkjökull and Hofsjökull put together Oof. So these are two massive glaciers yeah. melting every year. That's insane. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this all t- 
figures it as this all um, links in quite nicely with the story we were just discussing uh, about tourism mm-hmm. uh, and about flights and about traffic and about getting around and, and the perhaps the pillars of the Icelandic economy. Um, you could argue, of course, that we're an island nation. We need flights more than most other countries do. And perhaps people should give us a break on that. But at the same time, if you're trying to always get more and more foreigners to come and fly here just for fun, that's a big climate impact. It is. It's an interesting question. And you see, you know, with all these, whether it's the Paris Agreement or the Kyoto Agreement 20 years ago, they all have these loopholes. They all have these, oh, this doesn't actually count. International traffic doesn't count. Military doesn't count. If you do this and this, this pollution doesn't count. But ultimately... Pollution is pollution, and you know the the Earth doesn't care if 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 this pollution is categorized in in this category or the other. It's it's pollution, and I feel like we we have to think about it that way. Definitely, we can't say okay, we reduce the CO two levels of these categories that we're supposed to care about of twenty percent or something, and at the same time we're celebrating the fact that twice as many Tourists came to the country. Yeah, and whose, which country's responsibility are their emissions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Iceland famously has higher than average emissions per person, um, despite all of the green energy, largely down to heavy industry, um, which is again, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because you could argue that if we're not making all this aluminium and ferrosilicon here, it would be done elsewhere using dirty energy. Um, but then again, you know, we as a world, as a civilization, are probably using too much of these precious, you know, uh, non-renewable metals and things anyway. And maybe we should be cutting back generally. But that's not good for the economy. No, exactly. It's it's always difficult. And, and this thing you pointed out about us being above the world average, I'm not sure even Icelanders, and certainly not tourists, are all aware of that. Because we like to brand ourselves as this green nation, like you say, with the with the green production of energy and, and but you know, behind the scene we're polluting more than ever. Yeah. And I forget the exact figure, it's something like eighty five, maybe even more percent of all the ele- electricity production in the country goes to industry. And we shops, businesses, homes, everyone else is left with that tiny proportion that's left over, which is interesting as well. Um, but then every country's got to make its money somewhere. That's true. <laughs> so we haven't got to the bottom of that story. Um, we don't have all the answers to save the world. We don't. Who would have thought? That's a shame. Maybe we should move on then. Um, what's next? Well, what would you like to go? We should talk about the volcano, I think. Yeah, we probably should. Because this morning, a new vent seems to have opened. And that hasn't happened for, what, months? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It's certainly a. Certainly news. Um, I feel like, you know, through this whole period, it's been, what, four or five months now? 19th of March. Right. I must admit, to begin with, I wasn't too excited. I was like, okay, it's a volcano. Who cares? I've had enough of it. But it was probably like two weeks ago that my interest in this volcano started, so to speak, when when my f- 
friend told me about all these details uh, about it. So all of a sudden, I, I find myself reading mm-hmm. the volcanic news, and, and and that's what I've been doing today with with this new crater. It's interesting. I, I I don't know. Does it does it change the the situation there? I not necessarily. No, it could just be a a different route out for the same lava that was coming anyway. Um, but no, I don't. I'm not a not a volcanologist. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think they've been having a fantastic year this year. So much to talk about and so much research to do. And as ever, they they're not sure of precisely what's going on. Um, even though they have a better idea than most people, this volcano has just been surprising since day one, and continues to be. Have you you've seen some of the footage today? It's, it's, I have. Yeah. It's it's pretty. It is spectacular. And then yesterday. Nothing going on. It looked like like a I don't know a campfire the next morning. It's just smouldering and gently doing nothing. Um, and the bottom line, therefore, is that we still have no idea when it's going to finish or what's going to happen. Um, but there's only six meters left until the lava leaves Meratalit and and flows over into the next valley. Um, one thing I haven't heard about recently was the road. We were told ages ago to expect the the, the road to be inundated you know, imminently. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden that danger was just just gone. I remember Is it gone? I don't know. The road is still there, the I think. There, yeah. We would know if it if it wasn't, but but the danger I'm not so sure. Mm. Because like you said, uh, there was this thing they were thinking about about raising some sort of I'm not gonna say wall but a barrier. Uh, some or, yeah. sort of barrier exactly. Mm. And then they figured, okay, that's too expensive, let's not do it and and the danger just disappeared. So I guess that was probably the right call for them. So far, yeah. And they, they, I mean, they were talking about which is more expensive, I think. Like losing the road, yeah, that's expensive, but we can build it again. Um, compare that to the cost of the barrier. And then, of course, there's always the other road. Um, yeah, so this is interesting. Um, I don't know what happens next when it leaves, when the lava leaves Meradalish. Is that dangerous? I have no idea. Probably not. Probably not, but it will certainly be be interesting to follow it. Yeah. Um, what about this undersea eruption that they were talking about? Um, somebody reported clouds of black smoke coming up out of the water um, uh, last week, and so scientists and the Coast Guard went to have a look, and they found no evidence of it. No, and apparently that thing is common. You know, all year round we have these eruptions somewhere in the sea that that no one notices i'm being told mm. <laughs> so i feel like maybe it was just a, a coincidence but of course when you have an eruption so close to the volcano you you know it's alarming you you, you feel like okay what's going on yeah and i i feel maybe again not an expert but maybe when these eruptions do happen under the sea maybe they last a shorter amount of time because obviously the water's cool and it may help to close the crater quicker i don't know Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously this whole ridge that we're on is is extremely active and there are we know um, eruptions going on underwater all the time but if they're really close to the shore it's best that we should know about them yeah probably (laughs) yeah um okay probably time for one last topic quickly um 5G, uh, we mentioned Iceland there. We could talk about 
culture night or the the rapeseed oil thing all of the exciting topics left (laughs) (laughs) um what do you say about yeah 5g that's have you noticed much of a backlash in Iceland like we've seen in many countries? Are a lot of people hysterical about the potential health dangers of it? Um, not in my personal life, no. But I've seen a surprising amount of people when it comes to news like like we had this week about about the next couple of years and, and how the development of, of 5G will be. Because you know, if you, if you have any other technical news, there will not be a single person in the comment section talking about how this is dangerous. But you have these even on roof Facebook, yeah, which is surprising. And I wonder if it's only you know people that are under the influence of of Americans with the same theories and. Yeah, so I have noticed it, but but not to a worrying degree, I would say. Mm. I mean, it's worth pointing out that we've already got uh, 5G network coverage in at least in Reykjavik city centre um, and Akureyri and a few other places. And probably no one's died from it yet. Not that I know of. But um, yeah, when it gets... I think you can understand people's perhaps unease about it because it's different to what we've ever had before we've never had these transmitters these putting them on on, on lamp posts aren't they because they have to be a lot closer together than the old ones mm-hmm. so there is more radiation there are more signals um it's a question of whether or not that's dangerous and you'd like to think they're not otherwise they wouldn't be put up and and uh, you know the the authorities probably know what they're doing hopefully i would think so yeah um, but I still, yeah, I gotta wonder this whole 5G thing. Uh, I'm not gonna ask what's the point of it, but yeah, what's the point of it? Well, 10 times faster than 4G. Okay, that have, doesn't Have you, have you noticed bad. your 4G being particularly slow? Mm-hmm. You have? No. No. <laughs> um, but they, they are talking about it being the catalyst for the fourth industrial revolution, whatever that means. Um, so getting 10 times quicker speeds could change all of our lives completely. Um, I'm not quite sure I followed the story, but what's your take on that? Uh, you know, exactly. It's it's the 10 times faster. And it's also this thing about Internet of Things, which is supposed to make every single gadget you have connected to the Internet, which sounds fascinating and futuristic. But I also sometimes think, why? Why does my fridge have to be connected to the internet? And and so forth. Yeah. And I also wonder if it if it makes us too dependent on the technology. Because you know, you have cases where electricity goes out, internet goes out. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that every single gadget we use will be unusable because there's no internet? Or for example, a Strong solar storm that knocks out satellites. Oh, gee. All of you know, there there are many things that could happen. Heaven forbid a war. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good questions. Um, it suddenly makes us more vulnerable to to a lot of things. Yeah, 
Can you imagine starving to death because your fridge forgot to order your food in the week? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, we'll call it a day there, I think. Um, we are out of time. The Week in Iceland, though, will be back next Monday, the 16th of August on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. Until then, it only leaves me to thank my guest today, Alexander Christiansen. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, we finished today's program with a song called Sunday Drive by Ausgier Thrusty. Bye for now. Sunday Drive Like we always used to do Park the car In the panel Stayed inside while you photographed the lake. Pretend to drive. I pulled the parking brake. Felt like time was standing still. The sun was pouring. Pouring on